Open your Bible to Mark chapter number 4. Begin around verse 35. Jesus had just gotten finished teaching the parable of the sower. You're familiar with the Bible? You're familiar with the parable of the sower where he talks about where some sowed here, some sowed there. The Bible says that he's, he's taught out of a boat or a ship. And he got done teaching. The Bible says they sent the crowd away. Verse 35 says, The same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us, everybody say, Let us. Let us pass over unto the other side. Number one, if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, bless God, start taking notes, or how are you going to remember this? He said, Let us go to the other side. Jesus is never going to call you or tell you to go anywhere that He's not going to go with you. If He tells you to go to the other side, you just say, yes, sir. Because when God speaks, you have but two opportunities. It doesn't matter if He tells you to do something small or do something great. There are only two options when God speaks to you. You have obedience and disobedience. And the Bible says that the willing and the obedient, we will eat the good of the land. If you are willing to do what God says and you are obedient to His voice, then the good of the land is stored up for you and you have an opportunity to get a hold of it. But God's never going to tell you to go somewhere and tell you to go alone. He's always going to say, let us go to the other side. Some of you at work, you, you have you have people that are nothing like uh, you. They're nothing like Christian. They, they talk filthy. They act filthy. They're always ridiculing. They're looking down on you all the time. My father-in-law tells me stories. He worked the same worked the same job. He was an engineer that drove trains for a living. And he did it for 40 some odd years. Actually, from the time he was uh, 18 years old until he was 60 or 62. I can't remember anyway. Uh, but he didn't. He told me every day of the world they ridiculed him about his Christian faith. But he just kept on keeping on. He just kept on uh, believing God. He kept on uh, acting right and doing right to the best of his ability. And when something would happen to one of those men, when their son or their daughter would have an accident or a tragedy or when their uh, marriage was on the rocks, listen, they weren't calling their other crazy speaking, nonsense acting friends. They were calling the man of God on the job site because when God tells you to go somewhere he says let's us go let's me and you go you're never alone you're never going to be alone listen even when you feel alone you're not alone God is with you he won't leave you and he will not forsake you so when Jesus says let's go to the other side bless God get a little pep in your step and decide we're going to go to the other side with Jesus he goes on to say, and when they, the scripture goes on to say, and when they had sent away the multitude, many of them said, you guys get out of here. When they'd sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, so Jesus was teaching in the boat, and they took him out in that boat and said, all right, let's go. And there was also with them other ships. So there's literally a battalion of boats that are heading across uh, this body of water. And the Bible says, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship, meaning they, they began to break the boat apart, so that it was now full of water. So Jesus said, boys, we're done teaching for the day. He said, everybody stand up, hold your hands up. He said, God bless you, we'll see you Wednesday. That's what he said. And then, then he says, let's go to the other side. They get in the boat, they begin to go to the other side. And all of a sudden, a great storm rises up and the winds and the wave begin to break the boat to pieces. And all of a sudden, the water is about to sink the boat. And everybody's sitting there going, what in the world's going on? Didn't Jesus tell us to go to the other side? What I'm saying is this. 
Jesus told them what to do, and they did it, and they still ran into a storm. You're going to be headed in the right direction, and a storm may come into your life. And it does not mean that you have missed it with God. It might mean that you are, it might mean that you are exactly on the right track with God. You see, the devil doesn't want to mess with anybody that he's holding, uh, that he's holding their hand and get, guiding them down the road. He wants to mess with the people who are raging war against his kingdom. And the people who rage war against his kingdom are those who love Jesus and keep his commandments. Because what you are is the greatest threat to the enemy and, and the kingdom of darkness that has ever existed because you carry the answer to the world's problems. The gospel, the B-I-B-L-E, the whole story of who Jesus is makes hell and everything from hell tremble. So as long as you're walking walking around, he's going to be trying to throw storms in your path to keep you from trying to getting where God has told you to go. So when you have a storm, it doesn't mean you're wrong. It might mean you're right. So they're sitting there and they say, well, goodness gracious, there's a storm coming up and, and everything's going crazy. And the Bible says that they were scared and they looked and they said, well, where's Jesus? And the Bible says he was in the hinder part of the boat. He was in the back of the boat asleep on a pillow and they woke him up and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now that sounds really elegant, but what they said is, Jesus, don't you care about us? And don't get hard on the disciples. They didn't have the benefit of what we have. We have the whole Bible. They had kind of just met him. They hadn't been with him all that long. So they were trying to figure out, do you not care? We saw you uh, heal a demoniac. We've heard you teach and mesmerize people. We, we mesmerize people with the, the, the simplicity of what you say, but the depth of what they hear. We've seen you heal the sick. Do you not care that we're about to die? See, they didn't know. I remember one time, Crystal and I had just gotten married, and uh, we were believing God for a house, and there was, there was, we were trying to decide between a couple different houses, and I remember one time she said, well, what do you think, which one do you think the Lord wants us to have? And I said, well, I don't think he cares. And I didn't mean it like ugly, like I don't think God cares about us. I meant like, you know, do you want to go eat at McDonald's or Taco Bell? I, I, it didn't matter. I, I felt like it was just, you know, maybe not important to him. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I remember just this overwhelming grief hit me. And I felt the Lord impressing on me, you really think I don't care? And I thought, no, 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 I know you care. And I ran to the altar. We were in a church service. I ran to the altar during praise and worship, and I got down on my knees, and I was weeping. And I said, God, I know you care. He said, he said, I, he said who else knows how many hairs are on your head but me? He said, who else had a plan for you before you were born? Who else knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb? And I'm going, God, I know you care. I said, forgive me. I didn't mean it, you know, in, in a bad way. And I felt him go, okay, mijo. That's the way it is with God. You feel the gravity of conviction. And then you feel the release of repentance. But I said, Lord, I didn't mean it that way. He said, I know. He said, but I want you to understand there's no part of your life that I don't care about. Number two, he cares. And you can put a little line after it. Because anything you can fill in there, he cares about. Anything you come against or comes against you, he cares about. Jesus had told them to go to the other side. 
The fact that he said it meant that boat was going to make it to the other side. It might have turned into a miraculous submarine, but the boat was going to make it to the other side. When God said, let there be light, there was no negotiation. There was light. When Jesus said, let's go to the other side, that boat was as sure as if it had already landed. The the disciples had no reason to fear. However, they didn't have. They didn't have the whole Bible like we have. Jesus, the Bible says, gets up off of his pillow. The Bible says he arose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the, sea, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The disciples questioned God by questioning Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. said, Do you even care about us? And instead of teaching them the lesson they really needed to know, which is, of course I care about you, the first thing he did was help the situation. It doesn't matter where your friends and family are. It doesn't matter how far off they are. God's not ready. God's not trying to teach them everything in that moment. He wants to help them then teach them. He wants to break the chains of addiction and then teach them how to live free. He wants to break the chains of bondage and then teach them how to live free. When you have a need, when your child runs in and maybe they're covered in fire ants, you don't stop the child and say, now wait a minute, where were you playing? Were you playing where I told you not to play because I need to know that before I get the ants off of you that are biting you? It doesn't matter in the moment what is causing the problem. The solution is Jesus. And when he comes in the room, he fixes it. The disciples, they may have been a little bit uh, 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 out of sorts asking if Jesus cared for them. But at least they woke Jesus up. We have this, this lifestyle of, of living. And, and, and it's like Jesus. It's like prayer becomes like the last thing we think about. It's like, man, all we can do is pray. We should never say that again. We should say, thank God we can go boldly before the throne and make our requests known unto Him. And we know that when we pray, He hears us and He supplies our needs according to His riches and glory. All we can do is pray is the most pitiful sounding thing I've ever heard. The most powerful thing in the world is a pipeline directly to heaven and you and me because of the blood of Jesus have it. Oh, it's different when you live for God. The disciples didn't know. They said, oh God, don't you even care that that we're going to perish? And Jesus is like, are you blind? I'm on the boat. He gets up, he tells the wind and the waves, peace be still. One translation says, shut up wind. The wind calms down. And Jesus says to him, he says, hey guys, really, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? That word fearful is actually the word timid. Jesus said to them, why are you so timid? So here I am today to ask you. Why are you so timid? What are you afraid of? Is it what somebody's going to think about you? Is it what somebody's going to say about you? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't decide midway through his passion that he cared what people thought about him? Jesus, why are you so timid? 
Bible says, these things and greater shall you do. The wind and the waves listen to Jesus because he has all authority which was given to him under his father. And he in turn gave us the authority to use his name and speak to the wind and waves ourselves. But our problem is, is we're timid. We're slow to speak with authority. Do you remember why Jesus confounded the people in the temple? It wasn't because he had the, 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 the Torah memorized. It was because he spoke with authority. It's because he spoke as if it was going to happen. Meaning he took a page out of Abraham's life and he spoke of things that were not as though they were. You and me, we got to get out of the timid Christianity. The timid Christianity will get your boat sunk. But Jesus stands up, says, peace, be still. Number three, don't be timid. He said, what does that mean? It means when the mountain shows up, you got to tell the mountain to move. If you don't have enough faith to move your lips, you will never move a mountain. You've got to speak to the mountain. The Bible says anybody who's got faith the size of this mustard seed, they can speak to this mountain, tell the mountain to be removed and cast into the sea and have not faith, have not doubt in his heart. It'll be whatever he says. Next time one of your babies or, or you wake up in the middle of the night and that same sinus thing that comes back every year, you know the one. <coughs> I talked to my doctor about it. He told me, he goes, you're in the Brazos Valley. It is a valley, brother. You got stuff here that doesn't exist anywhere else. I said, the devil is a liar. No, I didn't say that. But that's what I was thinking. I dare you the next time a symptom tries to come on your body, you take authority over it and you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you get out of my body and out of my house and don't you come back. You say, what if it doesn't happen? Then you tell it again. What if it doesn't happen? Then you tell it again. You say, well, well, how long should I tell it? Kenneth Hagin said this. He said, if you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to wait very long. Jesus, peace be still. Peace. Why are you so timid? If you knew the power you had, you would never be timid again. Jesus spoke to the waves. He didn't get out and think to the waves. He didn't get out and hope to the waves. He didn't get out and wiggle to the waves. He didn't get out and shake to the waves. He spoke to the waves. The Bible says that a, a, a horse is steered around just by a little piece of metal in its mouth and a great big ship is told to move just by a small rudder in comparison to the size of it. So is it the mouth of a man, the tongue of a man, the tongue of a woman is what determines the direction his life is going to be. And if you and me will speak faith, walk faith, live faith, and in every opportunity do it without timid, without timid, Timid, little Timmy, 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 timid lifestyles. You know who I like? I'll tell you who I like. Some of my heroes. Bump your neighbor and say, he's about to talk again. I like Oral Roberts. Because he laid hands on people and they got healed. And the ones that didn't, didn't stop him from laying hands on the next one. 
I like Kenneth Copeland. Because when he walks up, he looks like somebody about to tell you something and he believes it to the bone. He doesn't have any timid nature to him. I like Dr. Jerry Savelle who's going to be here with us in August because when he says it, something happens. I like Ivan Tate because he said, I'm going to go build an orphanage and I don't care who says anything about it. I'm going to make it like a palace. I'm going to make it where these kids are treated like royalty and then they do what they say they're going to do. They're not living timid lives. They're not living timid Christianity. I like T.D. Jakes because he never moves his arms when he walks. <laughs> brother, 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 brother. I like John Hagee because almost everybody hates him. But he's not timid. I've been around the man. There ain't no, there's, there's zero timid about him. I like Toby McLaughlin. If you don't know who that is, it's my friend right here on the front row. Because when the enemy rises up, Toby speaks faith. He's one of the people in my life that when I need prayer, I want him praying for me. Because I know how he's going to pray. Peace be still. In Jesus' name. Jesus said, why are you so timid? Peace, be still. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They feared exceedingly. It's a different word. It's not the word timid. It doesn't mean that they were timid again. It literally means that they were astonished. They, they were amazed. The one translation indicates that it's as if they had seen something inexplicable. They were in awe because of what they had seen. They were in awe of what they had seen. What kind of a man is this? That the wind and the waves, listen to him, all through the Psalms and riddled all throughout the Old Testament are times whenever our scripture talks about only God can control the seasons, only God can control the winds. So what Jesus was actually saying when he told the wind to stop is, I am the one, guys. But they're sitting there questioning in their heart, not because they're not good men, not because they're not on the right track, but because they don't have the privilege of the Bible like you and me. They're sitting there going, what kind of a man is this? That even the wind and the waves listen to him. Number one, God's never going to tell you to go anywhere that he's not willing to go and going with you. Period. What kind of a man is this number two he cares for you greatly number three speak faith don't live timid 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 just don't be timid the power of life and death is in your hand it's in your foot Whatever you say, here's how we tell our kids, you have what you say, because they don't understand King James. You have what you say. I'm so thankful I'm healed. I am too, baby. Because <coughs> I have what I say. I'm not sitting here talking about my circumstance. I'm talking about what God's doing about my circumstance. One of the greatest examples I like to give is 
God never called you to be a thermometer. Thermometer just tells you if it's hot or cold. But a thermostat adjusts the temperature. You're not called to be just the environment you're in. You're called to change the environment you're in. God's never going to ask you to go anywhere alone. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He cares more than you could ever imagine. You don't need to be timid. Number four, last point I'm going to make, and then we're going to close. The disciples had a choice when Jesus said, let's go to the other side. The disciples had a choice when Jesus came to them and they were fishing. And he said, drop your nets and follow me. The disciples had a choice. And so do you. So the question I have today is for everybody. Are you actively serving God? No games, no gimmicks. Are you actively serving God? Does your life shine the light of Christ or not? When the still small voice on the inside of you leads you to witness to somebody, are you ignoring it more than you're following it? Or are you following his voice? Are you actively serving God? If you took your life and you wrote down everything you did for a week, would your life say, I actively serve God? I say it like this. Does your Monday attitude match your Sunday attitude? Are you actively serving God? Uh, one area is never ignoring that voice. Because when Jesus is, is leading you to speak to somebody, it's not like He's saying, you go talk to Him. It's like He's saying, come on, let's me and you Go talk to them. Let, 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 let's me and you try to win them. Let us go to the other side. Are you actively serving God or does your prayer life sound more like the disciples? Do you even care? You know, I find it very interesting. When you go to school, you have a teacher. And the teacher teaches you stuff. Jesus is called master, rabbi. He's also called teacher. And the teacher will teach you stuff for a certain amount of time. But then there comes a day when you're going to have what's called a test. And the teacher never talks during the test. They want to know what you know now. Here's the benefit. In this kingdom... All the tests are open book. You, you don't have to go through life wondering what the answer is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Are you actively living for God? Does your mouth sound like an R-rated movie? Or does it sound like the bread of life? I, listen, I, honestly, I don't have much of a whatever if you have a filthy mouth. It's whatever. But in your mouth is the power of life and death. And if you can't control your mouth, the Holy Spirit 
is the person of God who is here today in this atmosphere, in this dispensation. Jesus is on the throne next to his father and God's on his father's on the throne. Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit has an interesting way about him that he gives away with his first name. He's holy. So if you talk a bunch of filth and then you start asking God to do something, you've been telling him, I don't want you around me by your attitude and your lifestyle. And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, by the way, God, can you help me? I need a job now. Are you actively serving God? Serving God. And I know how this sounds on a Sunday morning. And I also know it's not what most people preach on a Sunday morning. But nobody told me to come to this town except for God. So I'm going to preach the stuff that God tells me to preach. Are you actively serving God? Do you want your kids to live for God or not? They don't decide when they go to church. You decide when they go to church. Are you actively serving God? When the anointing and the presence of God shows up in the room, do you even acknowledge Him? Or do you stand there as if nothing has happened in your life? When it is by His grace alone that you can even inhale your next breath. Are you actively serving God, the God of the universe, the one who made you, who created you, who sent his son to die for you, and one day will come back for us? Are you actively serving God? There's a great sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. They say when it was preached that in the middle of the message, people began to scream and cry and wail, and it was as if their feet were about to catch on fire for the understanding of the gravity of what judgment really means. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But it doesn't stop there. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be adored. And your life should indicate that you are a part of the family. Are you actively serving God? Or has it become a show? Has it become Lip service. I don't, I don't know where you are with the Lord today, but I know where God wants you to be today. And it's very simple. He wants you to go when He calls, to know He cares, never be timid, and forever and always serve Him. He will empower you to do so. He will strengthen you along the way. Forgive you for every shortcoming. But He's not a game. I don't stand up here because I like to talk. He's not a plaything. His blood was really shed. And everything about our life should represent who he, is, who he has become to us. Close your eyes and bow your heads, please. If you're in the building today and you say, you know what, that's me. 
I just, I, I, I'm not saying I'm not saved.